On this episode of the B-Side, we'll be discussing Can We Trust the Bible? Welcome to the B-Side, a Blessed Hope podcast where we turn over the sermon notes and answer those lingering questions. Hey everybody, I'm Vince and I'm joined by Pastor Matt. It's just the two of us again and I'd sing the song, but we might get sued if, if somebody heard that. Fair enough. Um, but it's just the two of us after two weeks of having some really good guests. Um, and so we're going to be tackling this question of, can I trust the Bible? Um, and my first question kind of in this podcast is, you know, why would we ask that question? Is that a valid question? Well, I, I think it's a valid question. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because Vince, I stand up here on, on a stage every Sunday morning, right? And, and I say... Um, with pretty good regularity, that we are a church that believes and trusts and preaches from the Bible, that we believe mm-hmm. the Bible is God's authoritative word to us, and we believe it's good for teaching and rebuking and mm-hmm. instructing us, and so therefore, it's something we need to be able to listen to and we need to mm-hmm. be able to trust. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those questions that um, if we can't ask it in the church— we can't ask it in the safe environment of our brothers and sisters. Um, we'll go ask it somewhere else, and we'll get some really different answers. Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the things that's happened, right, is, is we have people that have grown up in the church, and it's always been the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible's true, and, and it's just a stated fact, and there's never a question. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to question. And if you question, you're made to feel like there's something wrong with you, that you don't trust the Bible mm-hmm. just because your pastor said so or your parents right. said so. And then you go off to college or you get with, with some more progressive um, liberal friends and, and they start throwing things out there like, oh, well, there's other gospels that didn't make the cut or mm-hmm. the Bible used to be one way and then was changed to be another way or what about all mm-hmm. of the other sacred writings? And because you were never allowed to mm-hmm. ask... Yeah. Or you never felt like you were allowed to ask. You don't have a base of information, and so your faith is is crumbling quickly because of the pressure that other people put on. And it's just, honestly, it's just ignorance Yeah, uh, more than anything else. And so if we can help some of that ignorance by having the conversation, Mm -hmm. then let's do it. Yeah, I was listening to a comedian, and you don't always get a lot of big nuggets of just (laughs) goodness from a a comedian, but his father was a, a professor of rhetoric. And asked him when he was five years old what he thought about something. He said, well, Dad, this is what I think. And his dad goes, well, if you can't explain the other side in five minutes, you have no right to that opinion. And the guy was like, I'm five. (laughs) But um, I think there's some truth in that. That if you don't know the other side, then uh, you're going to crumble when you do meet it. Yeah, and and you know what? I think that's such a great, um, you know, who who knew that the little truth that could come from listening to some comedian. But but I think there's, there's some real truth to that. And so I think... We need to know, and, and you and I as pastors and church leaders, we know what the objections are to the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and I think we have great answers to those objections because the Bible is God's truth, and so the questions don't ever scare me, Right. and I, I feel like you know, the church would do well to remember that as, as just, you know, um, as people would get this idea that, you know what, questions about faith that are genuine questions should never scare you. Right. Because we are confident that God is who he is and that mm-hmm. all truth is his truth. And therefore, genuine questions will have an answer. Right. And right. that's great. Um, so before we kind of really jump in, just want to do some hard stats about sure. uh, the influence of the Bible on the world. I think sometimes um, 
we don't really understand how remarkable uh, this book is. Uh, the Bible sells, uh, is a bestseller every year, number one selling book, 44 million copies a year. Um, and the Bible has been translated into over 2,000 languages. Um, I didn't know that there were 2,000 languages, um, to be honest. Uh, in comparison, Homer's Iliad has been translated into 40 languages, and Shakespeare, I mean, English professors all over the country lodge Shakespeare as this gigantic pillar. You know, he invented words for us. Uh, has only been translated into 60 languages. Um, so that's just kind of a big, far more influence than Shakespeare or Homer has ever had. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I think 44 million copies a year. Right. I mean, that is crazy. If you think about the books that have, have just set the world on fire, mm-hmm. you know, the novels, the fiction, uh, you know, you think about Harry Potter and yeah. Lord of the Rings or, you know, you throw the Da Vinci Code in there from some years back or mm-hmm. this whole Twilight series or even the, the Shades of Grey series, you yep. know, those are like, oh, they're bestsellers. They're selling like hotcakes. They can't keep mm-hmm. them on the shelf. They don't come anywhere close to 44 right. million, certainly not 44 million a year over mm-hmm. the long haul. Well, and I, I suppose for those publishers that you know, compile those lists, um, they just probably stop counting or they stop putting the Bible in those lists. Well, yeah, at some point in time, what's the point? Because it's like, right? well, we it know. Is, <laughs> it is the number one seller, and, uh, and it's that way for a reason. Right. So, uh, quick question what is the Bible? Yeah, well, the Bible is, it's interesting when you talk, what is the Bible? The Bible is uh, something that is completely unique. Mm. And it's completely unique for a lot of reasons. But the most important reason that the Bible is so unique is because the Bible is God's words to his creation. Mm-hmm. And so um, since, since there is only one God... Uh, who creates everything else, um, this is the only book of its kind. There are other Mm. religious texts, there are other kinds of things that are out there, but this is the only book that the Creator God has written and given uh, as a record of His love and His desire and His chasing and His redemption of His people Mm. that He has given to them. And so, first and foremost, the Bible is that. It is unique. Mm. It is God's words um, to His creation. Um, and because it's God's words to his creation, it has some unique characteristics. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, it, it's written over 2,000 years. Right. You know, you think about most books, uh, a good book might take, what, six, eight months? Yeah. Maybe the idea of it even takes some years to germinate, but when you start putting it down, it's, it doesn't take that long to get it written. Right. The Bible was written over 2,000 years mm-hmm. by... Um, 40 different authors, yeah. uh, at least. And uh, we have authors uh, that, are, that are kings and the highest uh, nobility and authors of Scripture that are poor and wretched by all mm-hmm. earthly accounts. Manual laborers. Yeah. Um, you got some of the prophets where they, I can't remember exactly which prophet, but he, was a, he, he dressed trees. Yeah, right? right? Paul was a tent maker. Right. 
um, fishermen. And, right. And so yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we've got we've got some um, some tax collectors writing some books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got some physicians. Right. Uh, so there there are all kinds of of different authors, but but yeah. So written over over you know like two thousand years or so, and and forty some authors from all walks of life, three languages. Yeah, not a lot of people realize that. Yeah, you've got you've got Greek is the mm-hmm. New Testament primary language. You've got Hebrew is the Old mm-hmm. Testament language. Then you've got some Aramaic worked in yeah. there in the New S- Testament. Kind of sprinkled Sprinkle, throughout yeah. the Hebrew. So you've got three you've got three languages, all those different authors, all those different years, but because it's God's word to us, because mm-hmm. God is the author, even though there mm-hmm. are human authors. Right. And we'll talk about that maybe a little bit. This is all of the authors, all of the years, all of the languages, there is one thread mm-hmm. or theme that ties mm-hmm. all of Scripture, all of the Bible together. Mm-hmm. And so it is just so unique in this way in that it's 66 different books or letters or texts mm-hmm. all written by different people brought together with this one thread and theme that pulls it all together because it's God's words to us. Yeah, I was listening to uh, a lecture from a very smart woman about the Bible, a biblical scholar, and she was talking about sometimes uh, people assume that the Bible is just kind of this Western white document. Sure. Um, but she actually said that the Bible was written over three different continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. Wait a minute, you mean it wasn't written in America? No, it definitely was not okay, written in America. Um, so it is an international uh, endeavor by God, um, which I just find yeah. amazing. I, yeah, so I think, you know, and, and when we talk about the Bible, we say it's God's words to us. Um, it was written by people, mm-hmm. but people that are what we would call inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's written by people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But why that's cool is when the Holy, it's not like the Holy Spirit like possessed people and took them over. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit inspires their own words, their own personality. And so when I read different letters of the Bible, different texts, different books, I'm reading different people's personality coming through. But in that, um, the Holy Spirit, God himself, is working to make sure that what is written is exactly what mm-hmm. God wanted to be written. Yeah, and I think that is so important that we understand that when God chose these authors throughout history, God is involved in our history. Yeah. Um, God didn't just give words from the 21st century for the 800 B.C. Jews. He, he used people in that time and in that culture to speak to that time yes. and that culture. And it echoes for us now. Yeah, and I think that's always the that's always the fun thing. That's one of the arguments we hear against the Bible all the time is, mm-hmm. oh, it's outdated. It was a book written for people centuries ago, and so it doesn't have mm-hmm. anything for us now. But you know what? The Bible is because it's God's words to us, mm-hmm. and God is omnipresent. That means God exists everywhere, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's He's exists outside of time. So. Um, because they're God's words to us, um, yes, they were valuable for that context and that culture, but mm-hmm. they're still valuable for this context and this culture. And that's one of the things when we understand that the Bible is true. Mm-hmm. That truth, no matter what we like to think about it, is not relative. Right. Truth is real. Right. 
there is true and there is not true. Mm-hmm. And so something that was true um, as absolute truth that God says is true, this is mm-hmm. the way that it is 1,500 years ago, yeah. is true now, and it will be true 1,500 years mm-hmm. from now. just made me think of about going to a library and how you don't walk in and go, can you point me to the maybe section? <laughs> there's nonfiction and there's fiction. And we could have some discussions about the nonfiction <laughs> section, but you don't walk into a library and go, hey, where's your maybe section? Yeah, <laughs> I'm the, the unsure if it's fiction or nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a question that uh, I just thought of is um, actually, oh, how did we briefly, how did we get the 66 books that we have Oh, well, you know what? It, depending on who you talk to, mm-hmm. um, there is, there is uh, some debate about that. And that's mm-hmm. one of the questions is, how do we know we have mm-hmm. everything we're supposed to have? Mm-hmm. Uh, because aren't there other letters and other things that should mm-hmm. be included? And, you know, I think um, when we come to the Old Testament, first of all, you know, we have a lot of reliability with the Old Testament because mm-hmm. what we have with the Old Testament, um, we have the writings that... Uh, the Jews held sacred. Right. Right. And so these were the sacred writings. They were always understood by the Jews as these are the, the, the scriptures of God. These mm-hmm. are the words of God from the prophets and, and the historical mm-hmm. books, uh, the, the Pentateuch that, that Moses wrote, that these are the books um, of scripture. And so we have those. And we get to the New Testament, we, we get um, over the course of some centuries, mm-hmm. as these letters were being written, as, as these truths were being shared and passed around, as the Gospels were being recorded, um, what we have is, is we have uh, that there were certain councils mm. that would meet, that would look at sacred writings, and they would look at, at a couple of things and decide what was authentic mm-hmm. and what was counterfeit. Right, and so some of the things that were that would make a writing authentic were how close was it to the source, mm-hmm. how many years had passed, um, was it was it twenty years or was it two hundred years? Right, and so things that were authentic were were um, books and letters that could be sourced close to the original. Mm-hmm. And um, who is the author? Does the author identify? Uh, themselves and mm-hmm. um, can that be verified? Right. And does the truth that they have line up with other truths that were commonly accepted right. and shared? And so some of those other writings, uh, you know, and, and people have out there asked sometimes, or they've heard about like the Gnostic Gospels, mm-hmm. um, you know, those uh, the the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, and mm-hmm. um, and so you might get people that will argue when you go to college or you talk to your liberal friends or you watch something on YouTube. Well, you know, we took out all the books of the Bible. There there are other good books of the Bible mm-hmm. that we took out because they didn't agree with the message. Right. So like the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, we got rid of because it didn't agree with everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just not true. Right. The Gospel of Mary Magdalene didn't make the cut because the Gospel of Mary Magdalene was written by somebody who was not Mary Magdalene. It just had her name on it. Mm-hmm. It was written several hundred years later. Yeah. And here's the key. It was written with what we would call secret knowledge. Right. So what would happen is somebody would step onto the scene and they would say, hey, um, God spoke to me in a dream 
and he told me all of these things, and I mm-hmm. wrote them down in this letter, right. and you should read it and treat it as, as truth. Mm-hmm. The problem is this secret knowledge will contradict mm-hmm. the common knowledge that right. God had shared. Mm-hmm. And so we would take those books out and say they're not authentic. Right, right. Um, so when we get to, you said something a, a while back that I just wanted to point out to people, um, the Old Testament, yeah. and how the priest held Scripture so highly. I don't think people understand that the priests in, in Judaism were kind of like our astrophysicist of today. Right, yeah. They were hyper-intelligent. Uh, they, when they were, they would copy, because there's no printing press, so they right. had to hand copy it. They knew how many words were in, say, the book of Genesis. They knew which word was the exact middle of the book of Genesis. So, mm-hmm. so if they're going at it, and they're copying, and they get to the middle of Genesis, and they are at a instead of the, they know that they messed up. And it all gets thrown away. And it, and it gets <laughs> thrown away. And so they were so careful and yes. meticulous throughout the history yeah. uh, of, and that's one of the things that people say, well, how could it possibly be accurate? Yeah, um, well, and, and I think, yeah, they're like, oh, well, even if it was, right? I, this, I hear this argument all the time. Even if it was accurate at one point, right. what we have now is a copy of a copy of a copy, and it's like the they assume we've game. played the telephone game, yep. right? But, but yeah, that's, that, again, and I'm not, I'm not calling anyone names. What I'm saying is that argument, though, is ignorant of the reality mm-hmm. of how uh, scriptures were copied and transcribed and held sacred mm-hmm. and um and and so we have um just such a high level of of confidence even secular scholars yeah not christian scholars secular scholars who in a lot of ways would argue that the bible is not real mm-hmm. they would agree that what we have is very 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 consistent with the original mm-hmm. it uh, yeah, like you're saying, most scholars would say that the Bible, of all ancient documents that we yeah. have, is the most accurate to the originals so, so, of anything. So Vince, how would, they, how would they back that up? What would they say? So there's a couple of things when we talk about re- reliability of an ancient document. You want a, a high number of, um, do- of manuscripts. And so a manuscript can be anything from a, a small fragment of... Um, part of a chapter. They didn't call them chapters back then. It could be um, a whole book could be a manuscript. And so they would look and see how many do we have of this document? And then they would also ask how close are these manuscripts to the original document? And that's kind of how they determine the accuracy. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at things like anything Plato wrote, and I put that in air quotes, because the closest copy we have to original Plato is 1,400 years. I, I want people to let that sink in. Yeah, so, so we're talking about 1,400 years is as close as we can get to saying Plato wrote this. Yes. Yet we never, you go to school, you go to college, you go to these, these classes, these lectures. They, I mean, they have whole degrees on philosophy. Mm-hmm. No one is ever going to question whether or not Plato wrote the right. works that have his name on them. Exactly. And But 1,400 years? 1,400 years. That's crazy. And the number of manuscripts is maybe in 
the the twenties or the hundreds. It's it's not even close to what we see from Scripture. Well, what do we have? So if that's fourteen hundred years and and twenty ish. Uh, manuscripts. What does Scripture give us? Um, so, for Scripture manuscripts, we have over thirty thousand. So, Plato, who we don't argue about, right? Who we just don't argue about Plato. We have twenty manuscripts, yeah, give or take. Yep. And and for for Scripture, the Word of God, somehow we have preserved thirty thousand. And I think it's important for us to realize people are still finding biblical manuscripts. Every time there's archaeology in, in the Middle East, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they f- find them shoved in um, pots in a well, cave somewhere. It was just, what, 1940s, uh, mm-hmm. early 1950s that, that the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered right. um, in caves in the Middle East. Um, so that, that, that's one huge thing where we can say, all right, we have 30,000. We yeah. can cross-check them with each other see how accurate they are within each other. And they other. hold up. And they hold up. And the earliest manuscripts that we have to the originals are within decades. So Plato, 1,400 years. Yeah. So within maybe 20, 20 to 30, 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so that gives us, so, so that's why scholars, even secular scholars mm-hmm. that don't trust the Bible mm-hmm. um, as being God's word, they would, they would agree, hey, what you've got, is what was written. It's accurate, yeah, is what okay. they would say. It's reliable. They might not say it's true, right. but they would say what you've got is, is, is mm-hmm, what was written. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So, so then the question then here is, is if what we have is um, accurate to what was written, mm-hmm. then what are, what are some other ways that we can know that we can trust it? So we know what we have is what was written down, mm-hmm. how do we know what was written down was true in the first place? Yeah, so uh, when we look at um, the Gospels, we'll just take the Gospels because we can't go through all 66 books. Right, right. Um, but the Gospels were written by Mark, Luke, John, and Matthew. Um, and we look at kind of where they were written. Um, Mark was most likely written in Rome. Luke, there's some question about Antioch or Rome. Uh, I personally think it makes sense that he wrote it in um, Rome, because when you look at Second Timothy, which we've been studying, Luke is with Paul in yeah. Rome, yep. and Mark is coming to Rome with Paul. Now, it's possible that um, they were both getting the gospel, and Mark is just the young kid that wrote it down, and then Luke later on sees his copy and goes, he missed some things, let me write. Um, so there's that possibility. But when and I just learned this, like, yesterday, I was listening to uh, a lecture, and... Um, this woman was talking about a study done in Germany where they studied the most popular names in Judaism in Israel at the time that the Gospels were written. And so it talked about the most popular name was, was Simon, and it goes through them. And roughly about 40% of the names were the top 10 names. So out of any name that you could name your kid in first century Jerusalem, there's a 40% chance that you're going to name your kid one of 10 names. And so when they took those names, they studied the scriptures and how often people used those 10 names, roughly the same percentage. It was like 41% um, in the Bible and 40% within the culture. And so when they say, um, some people will look at the Gospels and go, I, it's fifth hand. It's, it's so far removed, not written by eyewitnesses, so then we can't trust what they say about Jesus. Well, the science 
from the study done by a German scholar and then picked up by another guy um, doesn't bear that out. Right. It, it's remarkable that the percentage of name usage in the culture would be exactly the same as within the scripture. Well, and, and yeah, so if it was fifth hand, you know, so if you've got somebody writing a letter that lives in Rome, mm-hmm. uh, they would be using... Roman. And they didn't know what was going on. They right. were just telling a story. They would be using Jewish Roman names mm-hmm. that were popular there, which mm-hmm. were completely different than mm-hmm. Palestinian Jewish names. Yeah. And so they get the names right. And, and so, yeah, you're right. There, there is some. And that's, again, that's secular research. Right. And I think what's important for us to understand is they did the same name study for Egypt, which is not that far away from Israel. So you would assume that there'd be some overlap within, and it was a Jewish community. So don't think that we're talking about Egyptian names. We're talking about Jewish names, names in Egypt. Egypt. And they were completely different. So the popular names, if you were a Jew in Egypt, were radically different than the popular names if you were a Jew in, in Israel. Israel. And, and there's So huh. the Gospels have the right names the right amount of usage, and uh, she was also talking about how Simon, since it was the most popular, um, it'd be like running out of your backyard and saying, Simon, dinner's ready. You'd get a hundred Simons coming. And so what we see in Scripture time and time again is that Simon is qualified. Simon Peter, um, Simon the Tanner in uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, Simon is so often qualified uh, because it was so popular. Yeah. Good stuff. You know, the other, the other thing I think that makes sense, um, for me at least, when I think about, well, how do I know? Yeah, okay, so scholars will tell us that what we have is what it always was, but how do we know it's true? Mm-hmm. And, and I would go back to this idea of prophecy. Yeah. And that the Bible is a prophetic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are parts of it that are written as poetry. Uh, there are parts of it that are written as historical documents. There are parts mm-hmm. of it that are written um, as letters of encouragement. But all of them carry this tone of prophecy, of mm-hmm. pointing at what is going to happen. And some of those things have not happened yet, right. but a grand majority of them have. Yeah. And they have happened with just crazy accuracy. Yeah. And I look at that, and, and by the way, nothing has ever happened that contradicts mm-hmm. the Bible. And I promise you, people are looking. Yeah. It's just never happened. And, and so um, that to me, whenever I see that, and when I, when I think about prophecy and the fact that the Bible has never been proved wrong um, and is always constantly being upheld through archaeology or, mm-hmm. or for prophecy that comes true, that we see that it just has this level of reliability and trustability. For example, the mm-hmm. book of Daniel. Yeah. When Daniel is getting visions about the future, he is getting visions about the future that are so specific, talking about coming world powers that, that the, uh, the Babylons who were in power at the time would crumble and that the, the Medes and the Persians would rise in power. Mm-hmm. And then that Greece would come in and, and that, that they would, with such ferocity and such speed, that they would conquer the known world. And that's a picture of Alexander the Great and what happened mm-hmm in his time, but that, that Greece, while it was a power before its time, it would be cut down and broken into four pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there would be a period of, of, um, 
just tension before another world power like never seen before would come. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happens. This is written centuries before, right. but that's exactly what happens with Alexander the Great coming in power and defeating the Medes and Persians and conquering the known world with such speed and, and, and taking culture and Hellenizing the known world, mm-hmm. but then dying at a very young age mm-hmm. when they were still at might, but rather than a civil war, they just took the, the, the known empire and split it between four generals. Right. So nobody had the power. Mm-hmm. And there was tension. And then finally, uh, that paved the way for Rome, a power like the world had never seen to come and conquer, mm-hmm. uh, which we read about in the time of, of Jesus. And so like all of that is so clear that you know what scholars used to say before they could prove that Daniel had been written centuries before, mm-hmm. they would say that Daniel was so accurate in its prophecy that it was a lie yeah. and that it was written after mm-hmm. all of those things had taken place. They said that Daniel was written around the time of Jesus looking backwards yeah. instead of written centuries before looking forwards because they were sure it was so accurate they just couldn't believe that it had been written before. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, with the Dead Sea Scrolls, right. uh, we discover texts of Daniel that predate yeah. these things. And so um, all of a sudden the argument had to change that instead it, 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 the argument from secular scholars wasn't that it was too accurate in that we were making it say something it didn't really say. Mm-hmm. But a good reading of Daniel will, will show you, man, it's prophecy and it comes mm-hmm. true. And mm-hmm. that happens time and time again in Scripture Uh, the things we read in Isaiah about the coming Jesus, uh, they all just happen the way that they're predicted. And so um, it gives you evidence that not only do we have what was written, Mm -hmm. but that what was written is truth and is God's word and will come to pass. Yeah, it's really remarkable. And even when you look at some of the other prophets, when it comes to Jesus, Mm -hmm. the, the startling accuracy to which they they... I don't want to say predict, but that they foresee um, Jesus' death. It, it's just... Well, even his coming, you know, we talk about Bethlehem mm-hmm. well before the time. Who would pick Bethlehem? Right. Right? If you were, if you were just guessing, you wouldn't mm-hmm. pick Bethlehem. Talked about um, a running mate for Jesus and John the Baptist, that mm-hmm. he would come first and pave the way, and then Jesus would come. You know, that'd be like us predicting, right? Like... Um, you know, three or 400 years from now, who the president of the United States is going to be, yeah. who his running mate is going to be, and, or her running mate is going to be, and, and where they'll be born. Yeah. It, and then nailing it. Yeah, just, it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, so questions, we don't have a ton of time, but um, I, I get this question a lot, and it's because we live in a culture of relativity. Mm-hmm. Um, why the Bible and why not some other spiritual writing? So I have the Quran, I have the Book of Mormon. There's a ton more. Um, but even within our own f- faith, um, some people ask questions about the apocryphal writings. Yeah. And I think ultimately, you know, f- for the sake of time, what it comes down to for me is what I talked about earlier. It's mm-hmm. one that the Bible has never been proved false. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and, and a lot of books haven't been proved false but they don't make prof- they don't make prophetic claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Book of Mormon does, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's been reworked because the claims didn't come true. Yeah. Um, I so I, I have family that's that's Mormon, and mm-hmm. so th- for me, when I became a Christian, this was like a huge deal for me. Yeah. It's like 
if they're right and this is the next evolution of Christianity, then then why not, you know? Um, and just you look at the Book of Mormon and you look at the archaeological claims that they make, mm-hmm. you either have to um, fix the the distances that they put in there to match the map of the United States, or you have to make some weird looking landmass that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. And I and I think that's the thing. So the Quran secret mm-hmm. writing. It came to one individual because he had a vision and that vision led to the writing of of mm-hmm. you know the Quran and and then all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that that's now truth even though it contradicts other truth. Mm-hmm. Um you know and contradicts things that we see um historically. And then we look at at uh you know, again, the Book of Mormon or the scriptures that the Jehovah Witness Church uses, mm. some of those things that, that are, are, you know, they are, they are sacred religious writings, mm-hmm. but you can be a sacred religious writing and not be the Word of God. Yeah. And the Word of God is clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we go back to this. It's got one author that inspired many authors mm-hmm. that wrote in their own voice, but with one thread, never contradicting itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never been proved false. And in that vein, Jesus says, mm-hmm. Jesus says very clearly in, in John 14, hey, I am the way. Mm-hmm. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody gets through the Father unless they go through me. Mm-hmm. Jesus claims to be the Son of God very clearly. And so so here's here's ultimately what it comes down to, and I I think I can't oversell this enough. Mm -hmm. You either believe the Bible, and if you believe the Bible, that means that you must discredit all other religious writings. Mm -hmm. Or you can believe other religious writings, but that means you must discredit the Bible. A lot of people think that everything can be right, but the Bible is so clear Mm -hmm. that it contradicts other religious writings that mm-hmm. you can't have it both ways. And I go back to the originality, the reliability, and the fact that it's never been proven wrong to say that I am confident in my belief in the mm-hmm. scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately, uh, you know, if you're, you're not a Christian and you listen to this, uh, hopefully you, it moved the needle for you a little bit. Um, but if you're a Christian, um, understand you don't have to turn off your brain to defend the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're Christians... It's through faith that ultimately we can, you know, parade out all kinds of different stats from scholars and stuff. But it, it does take faith mm-hmm. um, through through grace to to get all the way in. Um, and I think for me, when I first became a Christian and was asking questions about the Bible, um, I, I kind of I had all these. I, I listened to, to apologists talk about the Bible over and over again, and it just came to a point where. Um, you know, if I'm following Jesus, I'm following God, um, it makes sense that I would follow his word as well. Yeah. Yep. And that's, and, and I think it's a, it's a valid point. And I think a lot of Christians at some point need to get there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this is helpful to say, you know what, you don't have to, like you say, you don't have to turn off your brain to believe the Bible. You don't have to say, oh, well, it's just blind faith. No, no, mm-hmm. no, no. It, it's real faith. But it's backed up right. uh, with fact in the world we live in. And so I can have confidence when I say this. And when somebody questions, I don't have to shrink away or feel bad about myself for believing it. Mm-hmm. I can say, you know what, I believe it, and there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's, this has been a really good discussion, and I think it will be very fruitful for a lot of people to listen to. Um, there, I would just make one plug for Ravi Zacharias Ministries. This is what they do 
all the time. They have people that are way smarter than us. It's where we got a lot of our information from. Um, so if you just put in uh, RZIM and in YouTube or Google. and Or, or right now. Or right now. I yep. mean, just a lot of great resources out there for people who have these questions. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we just want to thank you guys for joining us for this conversation, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, thank you. Thank you.